going on, everybody? Kevin Cole here, your humble host. This is the Friday Unexpected Points weekly wrap-up slash take some questions, have solicited some questions in advance strictly from the paid subscribers, and this podcast will also fade out at a certain point, you know, a decent point into it uh, for the non-paying subs, but you're going to get a lot of stuff there, whether you're paying or not. If you're on the uh, Unexpected Points podcast channel, and of course, if you're watching live on YouTube, I will be taking questions there. If you want to drop some into the comments, um, if you want to preface it by putting Q&A on there, that sometimes that can help me sort through if people start arguing back and forth about, you know, whether or not Joe Burrow is going to dominate the NFL for the next decade or not. Um, which brings me quickly into um, one of the more tilting things of this week. And I will say that this is going against one of my core tenets, one of my core philosophical tenets here, which is don't let people you disagree with and what they're saying, the overconfident, um, evidence-less or lacking in evidence opinions that people have. Don't let that dictate everything that you're thinking and saying and the points that you're making. But people are getting pretty crazy. Pretty crazy when it comes to the Cincinnati Bengals and Joe Burrow going into this week. And... It's a little bit weird for me because last season, through the end of the season, through most of the playoff run, I was more negative about the Bengals. They stuck it to me week after week, although the way they were doing it with their defense playing really well, honestly, was the biggest factor. I mean, Burrow was was good. Uh, the defense played really well. Um, sneaky co-MVP for the Bengals was Evan McPherson, who was just nailing 50-yard kicks left and right the entire time. Um, the, the the manner in which they did it maybe wasn't quite matching up with the narrative and Joe Burrow and all that sort of stuff. Now, going to this week, we've just gone, you know, Mach 10. I don't think the Mach 10 is even a thing, but that's the speed that we're flying in with these Joe Burrow and Bengals takes. Uh, I've heard multiple times the exact phrase, dominate the NFL for the next decade, talking about Joe Burrow. And the Bengals. And it's like, guys, um, I know it gets boring to, like, put the same person on the top of the pedestal of who the greatest quarterback is. We, we, we got a little bored in the offseason. Some people, I've heard multiple places, people put Josh Allen, number one, over Patrick Mahomes. Because Allen had that really dominant run in the playoffs. I mean, they lost to Mahomes in the playoffs. But he was better efficiency-wise in that game. And he was nearly perfect the week prior to that against the Patriots in the wild card game. And he'd been pretty good the last couple of games of the season. Now, he, he had some rough stretches during the season last year, Josh Allen. And Mahomes had some rough stretches too. But overall, I think Mahomes was even still better last year. Yet, some people, you know, you just get bored. You're just like, let's put Josh Allen as the number one guy. Now, primarily because of last week's results, although it's been a very strong second half of the season for Burrow. Now Burrow's that guy that people want to throw in there with Patrick Mahomes. And I did a very unanalytical thing here because um, I was tilting 
basically hearing all of this uh, Bengals and, and Burrow talk. And I just put out there some career accolades slash how many times they've been to the Super Bowl. They've won the conference championship. How many times they've won the Super Bowl. How many times they've gone to the Pro Bowl. I know everyone hates the Pro Bowl, but still, we have five for Mahomes every starting season, one for Burrow. Um, second team all pro bro does not have a second team all pro. I mean, this season he was not second team all pro. It was Jalen hurts, um, with Mahomes being the first team all pro. So, but Mahomes does have one second team all pro. Uh, I believe it was 2019 when Lamar Jack, no, was it 2019 or was it last year? It was probably last year. Um, or one of the, one of the years for the Rogers MVPs. And then, so Mahomes has one of the second team. He has two now first team all pros. He will win his second MVP because the same exact AP voters who voted on first team all pro 49 of 50, giving it to Mahomes. They're the same voters for MVP. So, you know, he's going to get it. Uh, Burrow tied with Josh Allen for third in the voting behind, behind Jalen Hurts this year. Um, but again, not enough to get a selection there. So, and, and, and I pointed to at the top, and this is a little bit, if you want to say it's deceptive, because Mahomes has had five starting seasons in the NFL, and Burrow's only had a few, because Burrow started at much older age. And of course, he got injured in his rookie season, but it wasn't like he was lighting it up well enough. He would not was not going to compete with Herbert uh, or Justin Jefferson, even, for rookie of the year that season. Uh, but I was pointing out also that there's a one-year age differential. Technically, it's a 15-month age differential here. So only a 15-month age differential, even though Mahomes' first season where he started, I mean, he came into the NFL in 2017. So he came in three years before Joe Burrow was drafted into the NFL in 2020 because of transferring Ohio State and all those sorts of things. He was a bit older going on there. So I just think it's a little bit weird to say one guy who's only 15 months older than the other guy is not going to be the primary person to say this is the, the number one quarterback in the NFL after winning the MVP this very season. This season, he's the MVP. We're not talking about like the past or anything like that. This season, he's the MVP. And maybe you don't trust AP voters, but he's going to get 49 out of 50 votes. He's going to lead the league in EPA per play, which you know, aligns with MVP nearly all the time. So it's not like our common perceptions are that far off. It's not like it's just people looking at TD INT ratio or something like that. It aligns with the most important stats. Um, so, you know, Mahomes is still that guy, I, everything other than PFF grading. And just to put into context, and I've done this plenty of times before the PFF grading, I think it misses out on some key aspects of quarterback play, mostly sack taking that can, uh, hurt your value and hurt your team's chance of winning a lot more than what happens in the PFF grading. So if that was a bigger contribution to PFF grading, I have a feeling that Burrow wouldn't be, I think he was second this year behind Allen and he was first last year. He'd probably be a little bit lower. Uh, he'd still be higher than Mahomes last year, probably, because Mahomes struggled quite a bit there. But you know, there's a lot that Mahomes does outside of um, what's graded as far as mostly grading throws when we're talking about uh, PFF grades. So Burrow may look better throwing the ball some of the time, purely throws, um, but I think overall process and everything that Patrick Mahomes, we're going to put him on a different level. It's especially shocking after Mahomes had that ankle injury and had that miraculous, you know, plays near the end and everyone was, you know, everyone was like, going crazy about him. Then a day later, you know, Burrow does what he does and he becomes that guy. What's especially insane to me 
about some of this talk. Again, I, I like Joe Burrow, but I got to talk about this a little bit. Um, is this idea of – I also hear these things like, you know, Joe Burrow just won't let him lose. Joe Burrow, you know, you can't beat Joe Burrow. It was only the week before in the wild card game against Tyler Huntley that the Bengals almost – you know, the, the, the Ravens almost tied the game on a last-second play if he would have been caught in the end zone. And they got a 98-yard fumble six. It was a 13-point EPA play, a 13-point swing in EPA, that play. And then the Bengals, you know, the Bengals probably are more likely to lose than not if they don't get that play against Tyler Huntley just the week before. But that's like completely erased out of people's minds. So anyway, you know, I, 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 I caused a little stir. So people going back and forth on it, which I think is important. Um, head-to-head stats for quarterbacks. Like, well, what are we doing here? They don't line up against each other. What does it matter? They're playing against the other team's defense. Why does it matter Joe Burrow's stats versus Patrick Mahomes in the same game? Literally no relevance when it comes to comparing the two quarterbacks or no additional relevance to just any other game against any other team, right? Um, But anyway, if the Bengals win, which they very, very much can do, although I think they're being a little overrated coming into this game, um, you know, we'll hear about it from from the Burrow stands on off two long weeks Two long weeks to deal with everyone saying that Joe Burrow is the best quarterback in the NFL. Right, let's talk about some more stuff that happened this week. If you saw the podcast with Josh Hermsmeyer uh, that came out yesterday, I love talking to Josh. Hopefully you guys enjoyed it. I especially love talking to Josh because uh, it's so funny how <laughs> he like sometimes doesn't know. I mean, I'm not an expert on NFL rosters, okay? Like if, you're, if, you, if you quiz me on, you know, who's the – Who's the Sam linebacker for, you know, the, the Panthers or something? I'm like, oh, I don't know. You know, I'm not quite sure sometimes what's going on here. But for Josh, sometimes he just – he won't know who the offensive coordinators are. He won't know who other people are. So I gave him a hard time about that. Um, but anyway, as part of that conversation, we talked about some of the new stuff. So I already have some opinions out there on Hackett. So you can, you can listen to that. Opinions are kind of like I don't have an opinion, honestly. Um, and then – the uh, the other thing, other than I think people overplay this Aaron Rodgers angle, like I don't teams shouldn't at least just be hiring someone um, to have a higher possibility of getting Aaron Rodgers, because I don't think Rodgers even knows what Rodgers is going to do right now. So I doubt they have some extreme insight that uh, Hackett's going to help with him coming there. But he's definitely more well suited for a coordinator than a head coach. Uh, the other news, though, that came out afterwards was Frank Reich becoming the head coach of the Carolina Panthers. This is an interesting one for me. Um, This also lends, or there's some influence can be lent from my research that I've done, you know, trying to be a thought leader out there in the Substack streets, where I did this research about what makes a good head coach and then looked at it even further. And one of the points of what makes a good head coach was research that is by Andrew Healy, um, friend of the pod, I believe. Actually, I don't know if he's been on the pod before, but I've talked to him a bunch of times. He works as a VP of strategy for the Browns. He was, prior to that, he did writing for Football Outsiders. He was a professor of economics at Pepperdine University. And as part of the work that he did, even before that, for Football Perspective, on that site, back in 2013, he wrote an article about coaching hires looking at what 
did outperformance in DVOA, either offensively or defensively, if we're looking at coordinators or overall, if we're looking at head coaches, prior jobs, what did that tell us about future jobs? Basically, they found a slight correlation between if, if a coach is better beforehand, they're more likely to perform well in the head coaching job. Um, but when you restricted it to just looking at coordinators, not looking at previous head coaches, the relationship completely went away. So offensive defensive coordinators, no matter how well they outperformed, it did not really indicate that they would be a better head coach. So, you know, D'Amico Ryans is the, is the guy now who's going to be coming out of San Francisco. He's probably going to get the Texans job, I guess. There's talk about him being the number one guy for the Broncos job. He's going to get one of those two jobs. Fantastic defense. Um, that in and of itself doesn't mean he's going to be better than if it was a defensive coordinator who was coaching the, you know, 10th best defense instead of the, the best defense in the NFL, like the San Francisco 49ers. Same thing on the offensive side of the ball. Now, there is some selection bias in this in that you can't definitively rule out performing well as a coordinator doesn't matter because you're not going to get a head coaching job unless you performed well as a coordinator, right? No one's looking around and saying, oh, I don't know. Well, let, let, let's look at the bottom of the, of the table here for offensive performance. And let's go pick out that offensive coordinator and make him our head coach. First time head coach. You know, it just doesn't happen, right? So for that matter, we are looking at a subset, a selected subset of offensive coordinators and defensive coordinators who are all probably coordinating top 10 units. So in that way, it may hide the signal that comes from being a good coordinator or a good um, position coach. But... Generally, it's tough to see. It's just the relationship was much stronger and prior performance um, correlated and projected forward about 70% to future performance for second time head coaches or third, fourth time head coaches, if you want to use that. So I use that information to look at different guys. And Frank Reich, being one of those guys, looked pretty good. I mean, he didn't have the longest tenure with the Colts, but when he came in there, and remember, there's the whole Josh McDaniels thing, right? Like McDaniels was supposed to come in, then he dropped out, then Reich came in, and he had Andrew Luck when he first got there. Um, then Andrew Luck was gone. Then he had Jacoby Brissett out of nowhere to put him in there. Then he had Philip Rivers the next year. Then he had Carson Wentz the next year after that. Then he had Matt Ryan, and everything went to shit in 2022. Um, reminds me a lot of Doug Peterson in some ways, which is, you know, they're related. Of course, he was on Peterson's staff. It was always, there was this weird thing after the Super Bowl when everything went to hell um, for Peterson, that it was like, oh, Frank Reich's really the, the important guy and Peterson's not. I mean, come on guys, let's calm down here. Um, but it, they re, it reminds me of that situation a lot, like outperformance based upon what they did the first few years. I've seen people saying that Reich's performance was mediocre there. No, no, no. I mean, he, even with even though we had Andrew Luck, I mean, they went to the divisional round, I believe, and lost to the Chiefs when he was there in 2018. And that was a good team. I mean, Andrew Luck's efficiency got really, really strong, stronger than what we had seen before. And it was done in a manner also which was going to keep him healthier. Uh, you know, time to throw went down, ADOT went down, sack rate went way, way down. 
and was keeping him healthy and was being efficient and was kind of matriculating the ball and ch- with, with these chunks down the field and was much more friendly to him. I mean, he did a decent job with uh, uh, Jacoby Brissett. Phillip Rivers was a top 10 EPA per play quarterback for the Colts. Carson Wentz had pretty good EPA numbers, even though he didn't play very well. Had pretty good EPA numbers there too. And, you know, the Matt Ryan situation, I mean, Ryan wasn't playing well, but at the same time, it sounds like from reporting that Jim Irsay was the one who said, this guy needs to be benched. So it was actually even taken out of his hands a little bit there. Now, Reich pushed for Wentz to come. So he's probably not good on the necessarily with those types of personnel decisions. I mean, I'm generally for separating that from coaching. So in Carolina, hopefully that's the case. But there's nothing to say that Reich isn't going to be a great head coach, in my opinion. I mean, he could be bad, of course, just like anyone could be. But most of the signs that we have on the outside point to him being really, really good. And, of course, the complicating factor when it came to Carolina is the fact that Steve Wilkes is there. And, you know, already there's talk about uh, lawyers and the suit that he has with the whole the larger Brian Flores suit, the fact that he wasn't being hired there. I mean, I don't know. I think there are a lot of troubling things that happen when it comes to an old boys network and, you know, scratching each other's backs and friendships and relationships that come into play that end up excluding black coordinators or former head coaches for getting more jobs. That definitely happens. This particular hire, though, I don't think you can say it. I think Reich is supremely qualified. And then Wilkes, at the same point in time, it looks like he did well. But finishing a season six and six, it's fine. You know, it's fine. The Panthers team is okay, though. And he got pretty good performance from, believe it or not, from Sam Darnold this year to come in there to kind of help boost in that track there um, at the end of the season. So he did a fine enough job. But it's just like last year, I wouldn't have said, oh, we got to hire uh, Basaccia in for the Las Vegas Raiders because they finished out the season and went to the playoffs and and everything else there. No, you know, you, you don't overweigh a handful of games, especially you don't overweigh um, that when they were not even there for the offseason to build everything and to, and to put everything together. They get their imprint a little bit less on it. I think the Panthers were a pretty decent team, um, vastly underperforming. So he kind of got them back up to how they should have been performing. I don't know if he got them to outperform necessarily uh, how good they were. Now, the troubling one is going to be, and I, I assume we're probably T-minus three or four days away from hearing that Jeff Saturday is going to be the head coach hire for the Indianapolis Colts. That one is the one you should be worried about. I know Wilkes isn't a direct competitor for that job. I don't believe he's interviewed there. Um, but obviously, to fulfill the Rooney rule, they're, they're going to have inter- interviewed some black head coaches or former head coaches or coordinators. That's the one that's going to be the problem. Because all indications are Jim Irsay loves him some Jeff Saturday, just loves him. Uh, Essentially no coaching experience other than some high school coaching brought him in. They stunk. Again, I wouldn't, I wouldn't outweigh, you know, how, how bad they were during the season. I wouldn't say that that disqualifies him coming in as an interim head coach and being bad, but he's just not qualified in the first place. And he's just going to hire him anyway. So it's almost like a farcical process, the whole hiring process. At least it's what it sounds like. Now, I could be wrong, could have egg on my face next week that it doesn't end up happening. But it sounds like Irsay's um, driving the bus there. And let's face it, like, what's the downside for him to get a bad news cycle when he hires Jim Saturday? I mean, Jim Saturday, Jeff Saturday. And then 
you know, everyone forgets about it after a while. And it, maybe it comes back up again if the Colts are awful this year. Um, they're probably going to try to draft a quarterback. So that'll be the main story for them this season. That's the type of hire that I would look at that says there's nothing in at least my research, my data. Um, you just don't even have a lot to go on when we're talking about being able to find out references, how they react to certain situations. Um, Reich on the, you know, the, the public stuff we've seen from Reich, very, very good situationally, good at um, timeout usage, good at time management, good at fourth down decisioning, all that sort of stuff, good at early down pass rates, things like that. So there are lots of things, the few things we can point to and, you know, good reviews from players and others there. Don't really have anything on Saturday. So it's going to be really, really tough to judge uh, what that type of hire will be. All right. Should I dig in right now? Um, yeah, let's go ahead and dig in. Let's dig into some of these questions now. Uh, I'm going to look here. Okay, I got some, I got some Q&A on here. Um, okay, so if you want to drop any more Q&A in the live stream here, I will get to those, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get to a couple of questions that I got, which unfortunately I sent it out a little bit too late. I sent out something soliciting questions to... The, the paid subscribers on here on the sub stack. Uh, I did get a couple though. So let's go to Max first. Uh, actually, you know what? I, 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 Max said this is going to be a long answer. So I'm, I'm going to do this one second. Let's go to the first one here. Where did it go? Um, okay, the first one here is from Samuel. It says two potential questions for the live stream. First, what are your thoughts on a veteran QB as the last piece to a successful team? How does this fit into the team building and contention windows? Relevant this year with Carr, Brady, and possibly Rodgers available. Last year, Broncos. This year, Jets are prime examples of narratives that you just need. Hey, everybody. This was a free version of a paid subscriber podcast at unexpectedpoints.substack.com. If you want access to the rest of the Q&A here, including all of my premium work here, we're talking about four or five articles a week and this weekly wrap-up podcast, please sign up at unexpectedpoints.substack.com. And if you cannot afford a subscription at this point, let me know. Either shoot me an email at unexpectedpoints.substack.com pts at gmail.com send me a note or leave a comment on the Substack or hit me up on twitter at kevin cole triple underscore let me know that you're experiencing some you know financial hardship at this point i will give you a no questions asked six month subscription to the pod you can get these premium podcasts and all of my other premium content thank you so much for listening and more content coming your way next week